Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to episode 270 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. That's on Blazer Parkway in Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Join once again back after a one-day hiatus uh, out of your control, Sean. We, we tried. It was... Um, a, a valiant effort on our end to live stream the show from Niagara Falls. We weren't able to do that. So instead, we got our very good friend Drew Brown to come on. We just recorded it, and it was, the backdrop was absolutely beautiful. And it was it was worthwhile, but, you know, we need to get back to the the, the, to the groove of, of live streaming and be able to interact with our fans as we are uh, breaking down an unbelievable 104-92 to 92 victory over Team uh, Team Africa, Sean Smith. First and foremost, thank you for coming uh, back with us. How are you tonight? I am fantastic, and I think that goes the same for BBN from what they've seen for from these first three games up in Toronto. And I know it, I'm sure it's been amazing being there and experiencing it too, Jack, and just seeing this uh, high level of play that this team is putting on at a point where 
I didn't think that it was possible to look this good with only 10 practices going in. And, and I made the comment today that some people will say the level of competition's not great. And I certainly think it's significantly better than what Kentucky's played in, in their foreign tours in the past. But that doesn't matter, regardless of level of player of opponent. The, the sharing of the basketball and the way Kentucky's winning these games, playing together as a team, that's what stands out the most. And I could care less of who it's against. It, it's just the, the level of play, the chemistry, and the things that I did not think were possible to be at the level that it's at at this point in July. It, it's just amazing. And I think a big part of it, Sean, is the, the role distribution, how everybody is just buying into uh, roles at this stage. Like, DJ Wagner emerging as the alpha, Antonio Reeves being the safety net scorer, Trey Mitchell being the glue guy vet who's going to make the extra pass, who's just looking to make the right reads. Reed Shepard kind of emerging in his own new role as kind of the, the do-it-all, whatever you need him to do uh, type guard. Is he our point guard? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But everybody is buying into that role and, and it's not often you get a buy-in from kids this early especially 17 18 year olds used to being you know the star of the show dj wagner was the guy at camden reed shepherd was the guy at north laurel go down the list every antonio reeves uh, like everybody on this roster to buy in the way they have at this stage after 10 practices and, and two games leading up to this like uh, this is a really really impressive cohesive group that Again, I knew that the talent was there. I just didn't know how they would gel. And for them to gel as fast as they have, I mean, that's been easily the biggest takeaway of this trip. Yeah, and someone reminded me today on Twitter and pointed out that I said a couple of weeks ago, or it might have been even sooner than that or more recent than that, that you're never, you're not as bad as you seem on this trip and you're not as good as what you seem. You're, you're somewhere in the middle. But the more that I watch of this and the things that I, I'm taking away from it, is just all those positive things. And I, and I told you going into this trip that I was only going to talk positives until the trip is over. And then we'd kind of hit on some negatives or some things that Kentucky may need to clean up going into the season. Jack, but there's so many positives that I, I'm thinking about throwing out what I said a week or so ago about it somewhere in the middle. I actually think that this team is just doing things that I just did not expect them to do. The extra passes that are being made, uh, you see the team chemistry overall when, you know, when that last shot there, the last big three that Antonio Reeves hit, and you see Reed celebrating it, you see DJ celebrating it. Trey Mitchell's got his hands up in the air. Think about it, Jack. Look, Trey Mitchell wasn't even on this team three weeks ago. And the chemistry that is already surrounding it, the, they spent the day at Drake's house yesterday, and you got to see the smiles on their faces. Uh, another thing, too, that's standing out to me is John Calipari has his joy again. And I know he's all the time saying, I'm not letting anyone steal my joy. Well, Jack, I actually think that he did for a while. I think that he let a lot of people steal it. I think that he kind of threw it away himself there for a bit, but it's back. Like the, the picture that he tweeted of him and Drake this morning, that's John Calipari of old, like just flexing on everybody saying like, hey, Drake's my guy. That's recruiting 101, what they did yesterday. But then again, he's just back to having fun. And he, you can tell that. He has a team that he feels like that is his bread and butter. Young, talented freshman with a couple of veterans mixed in. And the thing is, these two veterans, they fit. And what Antonio Reeves is doing right now, his role is more defined now than it ever was at any point a year ago. And that's something that you and I talked about leading up to this trip. What would roles be? Who's defined leaving it? His was defined entering it. 
And that guy is wired to score right now. And the way that he's scoring the basketball, you're, you're talking all SEC top player potential for him if that's how he's going to shoot the basketball. That that dude is looking to shoot it every chance he gets. And it's not selfish it, either. It's it's just it's good quality shots. It, it's an effortless uh, thing about him. Like it, it's it's the fact that he's going to hit it if it, it's a catch and shoot look, but he also has the the tight windows and knowing how to get to his spots and still creating space out of nothing to find open shots and to it's like there's just a, a comfort with Antonio Reeves now that I, I just I, I don't remember seeing often like there's a difference between having the green light and chucking and confidently being a shot shot maker and like there were times last season where he was he was you know he's a very good basketball player professional bucket getter like that's what he does there were times that he could even launch without being overly confident and still make it but there's a difference between him taking these shots knowing that they're going to fall versus what we saw out of him last year he and cal brought it up he airballed that one to the i mean far far right wasn't even close to his first first shot of the game and cal said last year's antonio reeves would not make his next attempt he just would he just did not didn't have that mindset that he has right now and he goes right back down takes another one and drills it that's the type of stuff that we're dealing with with antonio reeves and i completely agree i think his role is completely defined uh, i understood where those concerns are coming from were con- coming from during the kind of decision making process and deciding whether to come back or not like i understood where he was coming from not wanting to take a back seat but i don't think he understood I don't know if anybody understood how great of a passing team this was going to be and how much ball movement would play in his favor rather than against him. Yeah, and it's it's just amazing that the ball movement standing out to me, and it's not just one player that, that's moving the basketball. It's an entire team that's moving the basketball. And I put up some tape yesterday of Rob Dillingham, and you know I wasn't able to be on the show yesterday, and I know Rob didn't have the best game today, and he's, he's struggling to finish some plays, but I still think Rob's doing a lot of good things. And, and that's another thing that stands out to me is the assist number that he had yesterday. You see Reed's assist number today. You see Trey, Trey Mitchell racking up assists. DJ Wagner's getting – this is a team effort across the board sharing the basketball. Like that is – there were games last season where Kentucky would finish games and have eight or nine assists. They're getting eight or nine assists in a quarter. Right now. And, and yeah, some of that is because they're making shots at a high clip and a high rate. And I just now put up the shot chart from today because somebody in the comments is like, Sean, where's the final shot chart? Like I've been the the guy that's been doing the shot charts for the, the last couple of games, but uh, I'm making sure I'm going to put those up every single game this season at the end at halftime, at the end of games and, and things. It just it's really cool to kind of look at and, and see, you know, where shots are coming from. And, and Jack, a lot of people are saying you know, or are talking about you know is this a change in philosophy is this it's just a change in personnel personnel has a lot to do with it the way Kentucky's playing offense right now running the dribble drive you're seeing some five out you're seeing the floor spaced they couldn't do this the last two or three years with the teams that they had like the last season Kentucky didn't have enough dudes that could get the ball by someone by defender's hip and get downhill, and they didn't have the guys on the perimeter that could consistently knock down shots. Like go back to a couple of years ago, Tata Washington's game wasn't built to, to do those things. Kellen Grady wasn't built to, to attack off the bounce. Like he was built to, to make shots. Uh, same thing could be said for CJ Frederick and some guys Kentucky had last year, but the personnel that Kentucky has, that's why you see shot charts like this, but it's also a change in the way Kentucky's lining up offensively and 
and the things that they're running and the dribble drive, like the, it, it goes hand in hand. So it's, it's really cool to see, but that's three straight shot charts that look like that. Three straight. There's, there's very few long twos. It's a lot of threes and a lot of shots at the rim. That is spacing in a shot chart. You get 81 points in that opener against Germany. You get 93 uh, in game two against Canada, and then 104 uh, again tonight, Sean. And, and go back to that very first game, that win against Team Germany, and John Calipari's comments after Kentucky launched 27 threes in that one. And Cal said, this might be a team that has to take that many uh, per game because he said if we hit 12, it's game, you know, it's deuces. Like, you, you can't compete with this team the way they attack the basket, the way they finish around the rim, the, the athletes they have. They're going to get the easy ones. Like, that, that's going to come for this team. If they're also launching and making because the play style and, and aggressiveness and uh, just the pacing presents those opportunities and they can knock down double-digit uh, uh, d- double figure ver- versus that. I mean, that's where this thing gets scary. So they go 27 in game one, 30 in game two against Canada, making 11 in that one, and then 35 attempts tonight, Sean. I mean, that that is a a Kentucky fan's dream after just hearing about the archaic offense and, and the, the the buzzwords in recent years. But how the the clear point of emphasis on on taking and making open shots and, and use, utilizing ball movement to get those those easy looks. Uh, I mean, 14 of 35 from three is, is a Kentucky fan's dream, what, we, what they've been begging for for however many years it's been. And, and that's what I was getting at a moment ago, is you could have put Oscar Sheboy in that group a season ago in dribble drive, and, and it wouldn't have looked like it does with this group. Like, it just didn't fit. So a lot of the pushback when it comes to archaic offense, it wasn't just necessarily the way Kentucky was running offense, but it was the personnel. They didn't have the personnel to do the things that they're doing right now. And, and I think, you know, John Calipari tried to kind of fit an offense and things around that personnel and, and posting Oscar and getting offensive rebounds. And, and that wasn't winning basketball games at Kentucky. That's not winning many basketball games in today's basketball world. It was probably one of the better approaches, but he couldn't do the things that they're doing now. But let, let's let's talk about it though. Like the personnel now fits. They got plenty of guys that are great at getting straight line drives. And how many dudes have we seen knock down threes on this trip? And not to mention Trey Mitchell and his passing ability and interior passing is already improved significantly with him on the floor. Now Kentucky does need a big, especially on the defensive end. They they need an Ugo. They need an Aaron Bradshaw. They need those guys on this roster. And there's been a lot of questions I've been getting in DMs and stuff about, does that change what Kentucky's going to do offensively? Does it clog it up? I don't think so because those two dudes, they don't excel at posting up. Like, I don't think you're going to see Aaron Bradshaw posting up a ton on the block. That's just not his game. I don't think that that's going to be Ugo's game either. I think you're going to see this spacing continue to be there even when those two guys return, but it adds some rebounding. You know, Kentucky struggled some on the glass in this trip. That's obviously going to happen when your biggest guy is six foot nine and he's actually playing a position that's not really his go-to position either. Like Trey Mitchell's been more of a four-man than he has been a five-man. But Kentucky's also turning teams over at a high rate and, and things. And you're taking care of the basketball. You're you're getting a high number of assists. They're canceling some of those things out. They went zone in the second half to kind of negate some of that bully ball that, that Africa and others have been trying to do. And I, whoever they play tomorrow, 
John Calipari said after the game, they're going to attack them in the post. Like, that's going to be the difference. There's going to be a scouting report this time, a full scouting report of three games. So there will be a challenge going into tomorrow, but Kentucky's got a scouting report as well. But when you show the shot chart that Stephen put up a moment ago. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Go. And that's three straight that look like that. That's consistency. And when we went into this trip, I kept saying, I want to see consistency. Well, guess what? You're getting consistency, not from just individuals, but from a team overall and from John Calipari. Have you seen animated John Calipari up there yet? No, like Calipari's having a good time. He he seems relaxed. He knows what he has. This team's having a ball. They don't seem like they're playing with the, the weight of the world on their shoulders. They're they're loose, relaxed, and having fun. And I think that that's why you're getting the results that you're getting. You brought up defense earlier, and uh, <laughs> we we talked going into this trip that Kentucky's going to score points. Like they were going to to make that happen, and they have to this point averaging 90 points a game uh they have struggled in in that area different points and especially in interior defense has has been abysmal at times trey mitchell has been pretty solid uh overall he's been like we talked about in the last show very active and getting his hand on hand on balls and and you know i've, I've been a little bit more impressed than i guess i was anticipating uh just kind of what his reputation was at west virginia d- defensively but uh a big reason why the offense has been able to take off the way it has uh, is just what you we talked about it, uh, during a uh, text message in the, in the second half. Reed Shepard ent- entering the game will change this game, see what happens. He has been such a difference maker offensively, on both ends really, but his ability to keep that ball moving, make the extra pass, while also understanding when it's his time to say, okay, now it's my turn. Now I'm going to go get this. I'm going to go finish around the rim. I'm going to go drive the middle. He lifted on that, Sean. He lifted seven, eight feet away from the basket, and I thought he was going to glide and absolutely end somebody's life. Luckily, that didn't happen. We didn't have to bail anybody out of prison today. Uh, that would have been a, a really tough scene. But, like, he, he just he's, he gets it. He knows when it's his time to shine. He knows when it's his time to defer. He knows when it's his time to be aggressive on the defensive end and go you know go for a punch out steal. He also knows when it time it, it, you know time to sit back on his heels and and defend. He just gets it, and I think that's something that we had heard, but to see it in real life action, I think uh, has definitely changed my personal trajectory of what this team can be immediately uh, this upcoming season. Reed Shepard is going to make the right play 11 out of 10 times because one of those plays, he's going to make the right play twice in one possession. That That's Reed Shepard at his best. And I was, I actually, I was typing something out to tweet today and it was something that you said to me two years ago. And I don't even know if you remember saying this to me, but I didn't get to tweet it because I think Reed made another play and I started tweeting about Reed again. So me and you were standing together watching Reed going into, I think it was the summer going into his junior season. And you looked over at me after he made a play and you said, that kid's going to make it. 
Like that kid is absolutely going to make it. And I think this is before he ever even had an offer from Kentucky or had ever even committed to Kentucky. I don't know if you remember where we were or, or saying that to me, but you were right. You were 100% right. And you and I both saw that in Reed because we watched him a ton in with, whether it be in, in travel basketball and AAU at North Laurel, he's always had the, the, the makings of just a winner. He is a, I call him a willing player because he is literally willing to do whatever it takes for your basketball team to win and, and, and to do whatever's best for him, his teammates. It's never been about Reed. It's always been about whatever it takes for his team. And look, Cal can't take him off the floor right now. Like that's how good he's been. In game one, when he didn't score a point, he was one of the more efficient players in other areas on the stat sheet. And now he's hitting shots and he's blocking shots. Like it's it's not just on the offensive end, it's on the defensive end as well. And you just see the pace that he plays with. He he doesn't get sped up. It's almost impossible to speed him up. He plays at his own pace the entire time he's on the floor. That is the makings of a point guard. And I think that this offense would be the most efficient it could be with him at the one. And then late in the game, you saw him and DJ together, and DJ went full-on attack mode and did things that you cannot coach. That is what has been missing from Kentucky late in games in the last couple of years is a guy that just goes and does it. And then you got Antonio Reeves doing his thing. And, and I said going into this trip, I didn't know if we would get it, especially after the first couple of games. You wanted to see situational basketball. And I texted you and Steven late in the game, and I said, hey, they're making a run. I'm okay with this because we're going to get to see some stuff. Who Kentucky goes at? What's the lineup that Cal goes with late in the game to close? Reed Shepard was on the floor. And that guy's going to be on the floor a lot. His, like, product, like, look, he has shown the state of Kentucky the level of play that he's capable of now. If he is on the bench for any amount of time extended, this fan base is going to lose its mind if it's not because of foul trouble or injury or something else. Because, look, that that dude is doing a lot of stuff. And it's really cool every time they show Jeff. You see it on Jeff's face. He's trying to, like, kind of hold it back. No, there is so much joy in that guy. And I, I watched the game today with my dad, and it really came full circle for me because Jeff was one of the early players that I watched play. And now I'm watching Reed play, and I'm and I'm covering Reed play, and I was watching it with my dad, and me and dad were talking about Jeff, and and he was just so excited for Reed. So it, it was really cool to kind of see that as a guy that's been involved with Kentucky basketball for for years now, how cool this really is that what we're getting to see and witness, and it's just it's awesome to see him wear number fifteen. It's even more awesome to see that he's not just on this roster, but he's a true player and a contributor to what Kentucky's going to be this year. Hey, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, about just the style of play of both DJ and Reed as ones, but the way they can kind of complement what Kentucky's looking for given the circumstance. Because there was something to be said about Reed setting the pace and setting the tone and, uh, you know, just kind of being that, like, consistent presence. You know exactly what you're going to get out of Reed Shepard. But when push came to shove, and John Calipari said this after the game, he said, then I went back to DJ as the the guy because I knew he was going to do what DJ did. And, and his ability to go attack the basket, make that in one, the fire, the intensity. And he just went absolute eight after that bu that bucket, and it was over. Like, the score was already probably out of reach at that point anyway, but it, it's the, the the finishing. It's the, like, this was the, the, the nail in the coffin for them. 
and DJ is that kind of guy. Reed, I, you know, he'll, he'll make shots, and he'll probably be there to take end-of-game uh, situation shots, but DJ is going to be the alpha. He's going to be the controller and, and the pace setter in those circumstances. But, man, I, I just think there's something to be said about Reed being the kind of possession-by-possession possession primary ball handler because when the ball is in his hands, good things happen. And, and I, I don't know where that leaves Rob Dillingham, and I think that's the interesting thing. There's always going to be a role for a spark plug energy scorer that, that I think Rob is going to be. I guess I kind of thought that it would be Rob emerging and those two kind of playing off of each other. But should we be talking more about it being DJ and Reed as the one and two, the main guys with Antonio there in the lineup with Rob being the kind of backup scoring presence that you need if if Kentucky's in a scoring drought or they kind of hit a wall uh, on that end or have we been thinking this all wrong the entire time it it was so hard to tell going in and stuff that that's why I'm so glad that they have this trip and we get some takeaways from it and look there there's months between now and November where these guys are going to come out of this trip and and have things that they need to work on and and for me Rob is a guy that between now and the start of practice and season, it, it needs to be at some size and some strength like that. It has nothing to do with what Rob Dillingham's doing on the floor. It has more to do with what Rob Dillingham's doing diet wise and, and in the gym, like get in the weight room and get stronger and, and be able to, to make some of those plays like Rob's getting to his spots. And I, and I think Rob's still doing a lot of good stuff and you're seeing a different version of Rob Dillingham than you saw at OTE and you, and you saw at the high school level. I, I feel like Rob is playing within the system and, Look, he had he gave a pretty mature response there t- today and, and stuff in, in interviews, and that to me is the biggest takeaway. And when can and when John Calipari's had his best teams at Kentucky, he was all the time talking about you have to sacrifice. The last couple of years, I don't think anyone really that deserved minutes had to really sacrifice because I just don't think that they had the overall talent where guys were that are talented enough to to do things or, or play a ton of minutes elsewhere were not getting minutes that they didn't deserve, like. If you put Rob on a lot of other rosters in college basketball, he's playing a ton of minutes. And he still may do that at Kentucky this season, but Kentucky's best teams have guys that sacrifice. But Rob Dillingham's going to have his moments, Jack, whether it's playing 15 minutes a night or it's a game where he's going to go off and play 25, 26, 27 minutes. But that response that he had today was just so mature to me, and that tells me that he's going to be okay. And I still think that he's going to have his moments. And and I would love to see him – come out tomorrow night and go double, go off and, and hit big shots and kind of help lead Kentucky to a win. But I just feel like that what Reed Shepard can do for this team offensively and just the presence and the poise that he plays with, that is what's getting him on the floor right now. I felt like he, out of some of these other guys, and I don't think it was that we weren't really talking about him. He was the least heralded of the group coming in. And I know there was a ton of praise and buzz around DJ, but look, Reed was an All-American and McDonald's All-American for a reason. But I just think that the presence and the the poise and the maturity that he has on the floor, he knows how to play multiple spots. He can run the one. He can slide off and play the two. He can even push and play the three and some of that three-guard look that Kentucky does. He just does things at, at a clip and at a level right now that I don't think you see many freshmen come in and be able to do with kind of just the flexibility that he can add to you offensively like – I don't know. Like we said that there would be guys in this trip that we would come out of it and go, wow, 
that guy really stood out to me. And there, there will be guys that we go, okay, maybe he underperformed a little bit from what we expected, but we know that that was going to be the case. But overall, I feel like every guy that has played this week, they have done something that has stood out to me that I said, okay, I really like that. And there hasn't been a lot of I don't like that for me because they're playing within themselves and they're playing unselfishly. All the things that I'm seeing can be fixed. Rob can add some size and some strength. You know, Justin Edwards can add some consistency and in, in things that he's doing. I thought he had a, a much better game, especially early on today. Like, there's guys that are still finding their way. Some of them are just a little bit more ahead than others, but we knew that that would be the case. What does it look like about seven, eight months from now, though, when they're all caught up to where they need to be? That's what we're really talking about here. Yeah. I, the way Rob plays, the let Rob cook, like, it almost doesn't allow him to heat up and it doesn't allow him to go for those 35, but you know, he kind of has to play through some of the early mistakes, get his footing. So he's in a tough spot because you kind of have, have to have volume to get to the efficiency that you want for a guy like Rob. Like it's kind of one of those push and pull things. Cal said, he's going to give him the green light. I I believe he will, but I also think that Rob is kind of playing with a, uh, a bit of caution right now, knowing that like, okay, Cal's watching me very closely right now. I can't ramp things like I can't just start going crazy and cooking because it could lead me to sitting on the bench. And so I think he's going to have the biggest adjustment of anybody on the roster. Like, I think that he's going to be the one guy because of the obvious size struggles that he's going to deal with no matter what, on top of just the style of play, he's going to be one of those guys that once he finally takes off and finds his footing, he's going to have a 35 point game like that. He he's built to go nuclear at times it's just just about finding his footing before then to allow him to take off and I was kind of hoping that we'd get that tonight especially because I knew the competition itself was a a bit lower than the other uh, two at Team Germany and Team Canada I was hoping this would be the one Uh, and this actually was probably his worst game so you know it's just going to be an adjustment it's going to be just one of those things that uh, he's going to find it and I'm hoping that we see it before this event wraps up in, in the global jam but you know We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, he he will get there. I'm not worried about him at all. But the way he has adjusted in other ways, and just his his personality and his presence with the media, you know, he said, I understand I'm struggling. Cal's giving me the confidence to come along slowly. Like, this isn't going to be a, uh, you know, throw you in the skillet and just go nuclear. Like, that's not how this works with Rob Dillingham. He knows it's going to be a process. He has to build muscle. He has to build build, build size. And uh, he, he will get there. So, uh, I have utmost confidence. But you brought up Justin Edwards. This is a guy that I don't know what it is about that FIBA ball, but he's just really been uncomfortable with it. And I asked him about it afterward. He said I, he said he hates that that FIBA ball. He just d- despises it. I think there's something to be said about, you know, I think he, he's represented uh, Team USA at a couple of FIBA camps and um, out in Colorado Springs just representing USA. And he's always had poor shooting numbers in those uh, events out in Colorado Springs. So this didn't shock me that he would struggle offensively a little bit, the, the day one shooting struggles. But I do love the way he's adapted and really kind of uh, find it, found his stroke here, especially late. I mean, 15 points, 5 of 11 shooting, 2 for 6 from 3, uh, and 5 rebounds. I think he's leading the team in assists this week uh, for, for the Cats. He, he's been terrific on the glass. But uh, we said this on the last show, Justin Edwards will not fail. He has way too many physical tools to to – impact games elsewhere beyond scoring even if his, sh- if his shot's not falling but 
Uh, man, the difference when his shot is falling is just night and day. It is. And, and I, I said it you know, earlier in the week, too, that I wasn't worried about him. He'll be fine. I think out of all the perimeter players, he's kind of the the one that's the most different, right? Like he's he's not the shifty guy that's just gonna you know wiggle and blow by you. Like he he's got to play a different way. And when that shot's falling, I mean, it looks good out of his hand. I mean, that that left handed form and that left handed release. I mean, it looks good. Like now, it's about it's it's more so to me now about what Cal does with him and where after this trip is over with and they have film. And not just Cal, but the rest of the staff and John Welch included, when they get back to Lexington and they look at this tape and going into the season, they they evaluate these guys and they say, Okay, what is the best way for us to to play now that Reed is coming along and doing the things that he's done on this trip? Do we adjust it and move some guys around? Is it is it Justin at the four? I think that's where it needs to be. And Cal briefly this week said that he didn't like him there and then but well hey like i love it though because cal of old or cal of past would have said that and never budged again he never would have addressed it again but then he comes back and does what i i actually think i like i like it at the four okay that is a that is a willingness to at least not just completely shut the door on something after you do it one time that is growth in john calipari in itself, that's losing some of the stubbornness that a lot of people talked about with Cal. I thought that was really one of the more eye-opening things from the press conference post-game today. Him at the four, adding another shooter, another guy that can attack. And, and like I said a, a couple of days ago, like Justin's not the most athletic guy. Like these other guys and wings and guards are more athletic and shifty. But Justin, to me, still can be one of the more dynamic pieces on this roster offensively when he's completely polished and that's going to take some time. Like it's not just going to be an overnight thing. And that's where these next four months come into play. And we'll dive into this later next week. When we recap this entire trip, it's not about what Kentucky did in these four days. It's more so about what Kentucky does from these four days and what they take and do the next four months to get ready for what matters most in November. And he's, and he's one of those guys that I think is going to be just fine. And I think that he's done some good things. He's battled, through some struggles, still making an impact on the box score, scoring the ball, rebounding the ball, another guy that's getting some assists, some steals. Overall, like I just am mind blown by the positive by the positive notes and takeaways that I can pull from each guy that has played significant minutes this week. You can't always say that on trips like this. There's always that one or two that that struggle and just don't do anything. No, every guy that's played significant minutes They've not just played, they've contributed and had moments themselves. And I wasn't digging to find the stuff about Rob yesterday. It just popped out to me as soon as I turned on the tape. I was like, wow, why is nobody talking about this? Like Rob Dillingham playing unselfishly and passing first, that that's the stuff that tells me that Rob's going to be okay. Like I am not worried about Rob at all. I'm not worried about Justin Edwards at all. Like I think both those dudes are going to be fine. And look, we're talking about – should Kentucky move this guy here? Is Reed the one? Is it, It's because they have so many options. Imagine scouting Kentucky right now. If you're, if you're an SEC coach, where do you start? Like, where do you start right now if you put a scouting report together with Kentucky? Is it Antonio Reeves? Cool, because DJ Wagner is going to go get you. Is it DJ Wagner? No, because you got Reed Shepard there. They have two bigs that we haven't even seen yet. Like, there's a lot of things that can, like this, I know I'm, I'm getting excited, but look, fans have been wanting some excitement around this program. They've got it the last couple of days. 
and Cal ran a zone. Like <laughs> we just go back to the days of, you know, fans wanting the modern offense and just the style of play and all that. And then just always griping about, oh my gosh, what, what Cal is just so stubborn. He's never going to go zone. It, it'd be perfect in this circuit. Like we're getting beat off the dribble constantly. Like we don't have the, 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 the athletes to match. Like we, you, you got to go zone. And now not only do you, you get the 35 threes in a single game, you also get zone in the same game. It's like Cal's taking a step back and going, all right, yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of messing with you guys at this point. Like, oh, oh, remember two days ago when I said Justin Edwards was not going to play the four when you guys have been clearly talking about Justin playing the four and just how amazing it'd be for spacing and all that? Yeah, you're kind of right. I kind of like it too. Like, it was it just the mindset and the – I don't know. There's it, there's just something about it, man, that just well, – well, at first, I do want to get your thoughts on, like, do you think this could be his own team – <laughs> I'll have to see it to believe it in a in a larger sample size for for John Calipari, but Cal did run it and it wasn't awful. Like I mean, it had its pluses and minuses, but overall, the, I, I'm fascinated to see if you think that this could be a zone team. Maybe some possession by possession stuff. I don't ever think that John Calipari is going to commit to a zone long-term, but if, if you've got some foul trouble or if you're, you're getting beat on the glass and look, Kentucky significantly outsized right now by a couple of these opponents, uh, specifically the opponent that they played today. And, and I thought that that was just a good change up there. Now, you know, they team Africa did get hot and start, you know, knocking down some threes. So yeah, you don't want to see them stick to a zone and just sit in a zone. But I, primarily I think this is going to be a 95% man to man team, especially when you get the bigs back and what do they get? rim protection wise on the back end of this thing. And, and that's another thing that's missing offensively too, Jack, that you that you don't have right now. That's going to be a, another weapon. When, when Ugo and Aaron Bradshaw get back, you're going to see some lobs on the backside of that thing. You're going to see some dunks over the top. Right now, Kentucky's playing, uh, beating a man off the bounce and then and fanning out and hitting some threes. Uh, wait until they add the, the element of the dunk on the backside of this thing. Like that's going to add more to the offensive game. Uh, but more so, too, it's going to add rebounding and it's going to add a, a rim protector back there. And hopefully that both those guys can contribute and carve out roles, Ugo and Aaron Bradshaw both. And then we'll see what Kentucky decides to do if they add somebody. Someone asked about the ceiling for Trey Mitchell. I saw that in the comments a few minutes ago. And and man, like, has he has he been better than advertised to you? Like, he was a guy that I didn't really know. We didn't know a ton about. We didn't know what he would be so quickly. I mean, he literally just started practicing. Like I think he missed a couple of practices, if I'm not mistaken, and then got there late. But he is fitting in so well offensively with the where he's hitting threes from. He hit one from the corner, I know, today. He's had some from the top of the key. He, he's trailing in transition. Here's another area where I think he can be very, very good and beneficial to this team. When teams do go zone against Kentucky, and I think they will at times, sticking him in the high post area there, his ability to see the floor and pass, but also knock down that 15-footer from the free throw line, you saw him knock down a couple on this trip. Like That's where I think he adds an impact to offensively. It's just going to be now, what does John Calipari do? Does he stick him just at the four uh, with Ugo or with uh, Aaron Bradshaw, or does he even slide him and do play some uh, small ball and put him at the five? Another guy we've not talked about, Adu Thiero. We've made it 37 minutes of this, and we've not even talked about Adu. And there will be guys on this team. I think there's going to be defined roles, but I think there's also going to be some of those guys that kind of fluctuate. 
they're going to have two or three really good games in a row, and then maybe you don't see them as much for a game or two. I think it's going to be dependent on matchups and and scouts. Somebody is going to have to be the odd man out a couple of times. That's just how many guys Kentucky has, and I have no idea what a rotation will look like. I can't even tell you after this trip because he's played so many guys and different starting lineups and different combinations. But today, closing the game, I think was able to tell the tell some of who he trusts the most. And it was the five on the floor to close it. Yeah, you were hating on, uh, you know, oh, wait till we see them incorporate the dunk. Like, a dude Thero didn't just absolutely <laughs> posterize somebody on that lob. Like, that was exactly what you were talking about because Adu has been so damn good at his very specific role this week. But, yeah, I think Adu, again, we've gone through the whole list of, of guys. As you said, there's not a single player that has been like, eh, I, I really needed to see more out of him. And I, I guess Rob would be the only one from a scoring perspective. I was kind of expecting that that yeah. oomph game, but uh, we haven't seen that. But maybe that's tomorrow night. Uh, but there hasn't been a single guy that has just been a, a net negative. And I think that's absolutely huge for, for this team's development. But, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see when when Aaron Bradshaw gets back, when Ugan Onyenso get, gets back. I'm, I'm interested to see how Cal, does he revert back to – Having to go too big, it's trade you know Trey the four with Aaron Bradshaw the five or vice versa. Like, how much is he going to look at this versatility and, and just what they're doing with spacing and, and how enjoyable this has been? And does he try to make it work with you know making everybody happy? As you said, somebody's going to be the odd man out. Somebody's going to be unhappy. Part of me thinks that person right now is going to be Ugon Onion. So I think this was a really big missed opportunity. It's not his fault. It sucks that he got hurt, but. I think this is a, a big missed opportunity for him to play against real competition, see how he battles and, and fights uh, on a big stage. I, I I think this is going to hurt him long term because of how seamlessly the transition has been for Trey Mitchell. The expectations for Aaron Bradshaw, he is not going to not play. Like Aaron Bradshaw dealing with what we've dealt with about role and him wanting to play the four and all that. Like he is a guy who will absolutely play for Kentucky, and the pieces just kind of have to revolve around that. I just it feels like Ugo would be the odd man out of that group. Um, and it, it sucks because I do think there's a role for him. I think he's he can be a really good talent, but uh, something's got to give somewhere. The, the minute the minutes are what they are, you can't you can't fudge those numbers. So I I'm I'm interested to see how everything uh, kind of falls into place once this team returns back to full strength. How much do you think, though, that what Rob is doing is more so he's been coached to, to kind of play this way? And and maybe you're not taking away the best of Rob, but more so he he kind of maybe knew what he needed to do to, to fit in and to get minutes on this team, and that's play within the system and, and play within what, you know, Kentucky's trying to do. And even though he's missed shots and stuff, I just feel like that Rob Dillingham has made the right play more often than not. He's just not finished them. Like, if you went back and pulled this tape, and, and I, I put together three days of footage of Rob, I guarantee you I'd pull out a lot more good than I would bad. And maybe this, maybe it's just has turned into a Rob Dillingham fan club for me. I, I don't know. Like, But I just feel like from what I saw of Rob leading up to Kentucky and, and the, the reputation that Rob had built, I'm just seeing a different version of him. And I'm seeing a version that's going to have sustained success and be more likely to succeed if he's playing within the system and then he finds his way and starts making shots along the way. Cause you know, he's, you're not going to be able to keep him cold for long. He's going to have a moment here where he's going to go in and cook and do his thing, but he's not playing selfishly. I haven't seen one guy this week 
at any point say, okay, it's time for me to go get mine. I'm seeing them play within themselves. The ball movement, the open looks, the made threes, like the stuff that you're seeing Kentucky do right now. If any of the national guys that have voting, that have votes into top 25 and preseason polls, and I think a lot of people in the comments here would probably say they don't want to be a top five team in preseason. Don't put that target on this team's back. Settle them somewhere between 11 to 15, and I think a lot of people would be happy. You're going to have to change your viewpoint and your opinion on this team if you watch these three games. And regardless of what happens tomorrow night, you have to, because John Calipari has gone back to some things that has been that he's had success with in the past. They're shooting more threes and the ball movement. If you know anything about the game of basketball, you can turn on the tape right now. And regardless of who Kentucky's playing, they're playing really, really high level basketball. If you don't think that, you're just hating for absolutely no reason whatsoever. So I'm interested to see what the overall temperature is coming out of the strip, regardless of what happens in the gold medal game, because I've seen enough to say that this is going to be a fun year. I don't know if it's going to result in number nine. I don't know if it's going to result in the final four because those matchups in the tournament is so random when it comes to, to, to all that stuff. But this team is going to have a lot of fun. BBN is going to have a lot of fun, and they're going to have a chance. And that's all you want. Have a chance, and let's see what happens. And, and I think the coaching staff deserves an unbelievable amount of, of praise and, and respect for, like, it, it's it's not easy to take a group of this many freshmen, this many different styles of, of play and personality types and, you know, guys that were the guys at their own, at their, their past stops, for Cal to, you know, the entire coaching staff, for them to bring this group together and for them to coexist so well together and like off the floor well like i think a big part of it and we talked about this leading up to this event uh, is because of their age it's not a bunch of 17 year olds and a bunch of 23 year olds there's you know it's mostly young with a couple of older guys trickled in but i, I think a, a significant part of that is is you know how the coaching staff has been able to mold them together and let them buy into their roles like there's a buy-in on the players perspective which is amazing but it ha that has to come down from the top. The coaching staff has to do a tremendous job of selling those roles and making sure they're all comfortable in those roles. And, and you know, no, I, I've heard nothing behind the scenes that in, uh, indicates one guy's discontent or th this guy's pissed off about something or uh, this guy's really not fitting into the, the, the mold and the culture of what they're trying to do here. Like, there is a total buy-in with this group that that was my like that was my biggest concern. I said that on the show, like. A lot of different guys coming from different environments and playing styles and personalities. There's a chance that it. I mean, last year's group they didn't hate each other, but it, it there was clearly not that same personality mold and meshing that you get with this group. So that was my biggest question. And, and seeing that box checked this early at this stage, as you said, ten practices total. But Trey Mitchell has been here two and a half weeks. Antonio Reeves arrived two, three days before that. Like there is something to be said about how the coaching staff has been able to put those, all of those different things together in a little clay pot, shaking it up, and has created a, a, a really, really impressive, fun, and entertaining product this quickly. Who are you the happiest for this week? Like, for me, it's John Calipari. Because I feel like that he has kind of gotten back to himself and, and some things, and I just feel like that this, this trip – 
just watching him interact and, you know, I've not been there for media sessions, obviously, but you have, and it's been a breath of fresh air to see how he's handled you all and stuff too. And, and the, the talking and, and the stuff on Twitter and the video at Drake's yesterday, I just feel like that, like I said, in the beginning of the show, he, he, he's found his joy again. And I hope that that sticks and, and stays throughout the year because I don't think anyone ever really wanted Cal to fail within the fan base. I think that they've always wanted to, to get back to, to the way it was. And it remains to be seen how this team will respond when the lights get to be even brighter and teams are more physical and they're playing better competition. But I've seen enough from this trip to know that this team has a chance and they like each other and they're building a lot of team chemistry and the kind of the fire that I'm seeing within them right now to, to want to be good, I think it's just going to be ignited and, and kind of burn even even more over the next four months. I think you're going to see guys really hit the hit the weight room, really hit the gym, and then come ready to attack when practices start in October and then that exhibition schedule. Like that exhibition schedule is important because Kentucky has a lot of dudes that can play, and I want to see guys like Ugo and if Aaron Bradshaw's there, how do they fit in with this team? Like that's going to be our first look. Like we have a lot of questions answered. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas about this team jack but there's still so many unknowns because they're missing their entire interior so we've we've got to see four games after tomorrow and we have no idea what kentucky looks like with their actual five men out there so adds more mystery yeah but plenty plenty to be excited about i know we're not going to drag on too too much longer because we still have another game to be played um how the post game is going to work tomorrow is going to be interesting because I am supposed to be flying as this game is going on tomorrow night, unfortunately, because for whatever reason, my flight, they're not letting me change it to either earlier in the day or even after the game. Like, it's just, I'm, they, they just basically said, yeah, you're screwed, kid. Have, you know, sorry about your luck. So I don't know how, like, if I can get Wi-Fi on my flight and watch the entirety while I'm 20,000 feet in the air, that's going to be great. And we'll go live when I land. Like, I, I don't know. I guess that's that's what we'd have to do. Um, so we'll see. I, I, we'll, I don't know the schedule of when this post-game show will be tomorrow after the game, but it'll come up at some point. If it's not then, it'll be, uh, I guess, Monday early morning or Monday during the day at some point. We'll figure it out. But uh, this, is, this has been a blast, man, seeing, seeing what you've heard behind the scenes and, you know, uh, Rob Dillingham being as low maintenance as he's been. This guy being enjoyable, Reed Shepard exploding the way he has. And you asked me who's the one guy I'm, I'm happiest for. Cal, definitely. But, you know, I think there is something to be said about Reed having that, you know, yeah. having to prove the buzz and having to prove the, the in-state hype. You know, he's going to be the hometown hero. There's a lot of pressure that comes with being that person. And, and just the way he's just kind of embraced that and said, yeah, I'm good. No problem. And as soon as he...
We get, we're getting Jack back on here to close right, things out in just good? one second. I didn't know if that was me or you all. I was like, I have no, no idea. No, you're good. Just got to switch this up. Can't, can't have source to say without some internet issue, but no, I'll... There you go, Jack. I can't hear anything, I thought it, so I'm I thought it was me. My laptop died as we're wrapping this thing up, so... Uh, oh, well. It is what it is. It's been a great time. Appreciate all of uh, our listeners and viewers that have been following along with us. Going to Niagara Falls with us, that was a blast. Uh, being here at the Madame Athletic Center, awesome venue. This has been really cool. Uh, but yeah, we are sitting here watching, kind of, sort of, Germany and Canada playing right now. The score is... Canada is up 6-5 to five right now, so we'll see how this one unfolds. and. Um, should be a good one. Can Kentucky close this thing out with a gold medal? Uh, we will see. You can find me on Twitter at Jack, Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Sean, I can't hear you, but tell fans where they can find your work. <laughs> you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry. Uh, we'll be back next time. Uh, we will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny in new york